Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. As you are turning there tonight, amen. Again, we are in Media Fest this week too. For those that may have never been around the church when we've done this, basically we are detaching, unplugging from phones, iPads, computers, television, all those things that may be extracurricular. If you got to use it for a phone call to call somebody, because I know most of us don't have landlines anymore, then so be it. But just mindless other activity that we would have on it, uh, we're kind of disengaging. Giving ourselves a rest, refocusing. Amen. You might find from doing that, maybe you had a lot of time that you spend on there that uh, maybe is not totally necessary for your life. So it's just a good, good time to be introspective about those things. Also, our kids on Sunday nights usually take like notes, and they have these little uh, clipboards and papers, and they take notes. What's the point? What was sung? Did I bring my Bible? All this stuff. And for a long time, it was on the front pew, but Sister McGee has got these little cube containers behind the first post on either side. And so on Sunday nights, if they're looking for those, that's where they are, kind of be a little bit more tidy rather than just being helter-skelter there. Amen. So they sometimes have different ones come up to me, and they'll show me the notes that they took or what they did and such. So we want to encourage that. Amen. Absolutely. Going to be turning to Psalms 56. I'm going to read, I'm going to read the whole chapter. I was going to just pick a few verses, but since it was as short as it was, I figured I could get by with it. Amen. Doing the whole chapter. No one get nervous. 13 verses. All right. The Bible says, and if you read the, the little superscript or the title of your psalm, it speaks a little bit about maybe when it was written or when it took place. But nevertheless, starting with verse number one, the psalmist says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. My enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? And thine anger cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wonderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling? That I may walk before God in the light of the living. Verse number nine is key for us tonight. David says, when I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to minister to this congregation this evening, maximizing our cry. Maximizing our cry. Can we go to the Lord right now in prayer together for the next few moments, what he will do in this service? Father, we need you, Lord Jesus, today. I pray, oh Lord God, it's not by might nor by power, but God, it is by your spirit. God, and let that spirit have free course, Lord, in this place, God, to the ministry of your word. God, let that spirit find us. Let that spirit minister, Lord God, hope and Lord, consolation, Lord, to someone. Let that spirit, God, be instructive. Let that spirit, God, I pray, Lord, be uplifting, Lord, and will not fail, Lord, to thank and praise you, Lord Jesus, for what the Holy Ghost, Lord, does in this place, God. We lean upon those everlasting arms of the Lord to do its perfect work here tonight. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. And you may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Maximizing our cry. 
The song says, we sing it every once in a while still yet today, but it was probably more known uh, for a generation ago in my years of growing up. But the song says, the lyrics are, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Now, I'm here to admit to you tonight that I'm glad that this isn't a literal carrying of the burden because at times several trips would be required to take it to the Lord. I wouldn't be able to leave it there because I wouldn't be able to lift it nor to get it there. These lyrics, though, as the writer has written them, are encouraging us to take our burden by means of prayer unto the Lord and leave it there. And no doubt, Sister Sheila, that may seem a little bit more possible than carrying a literal burden, but we've all been met with life situations, haven't we, that have been burdensome at times, some burdensome loads that almost prohibited us from lifting our heads unto the Lord. There have been times we couldn't get our chin off our chest, so to speak, because of the burden upon our back. Times have come in our life that words have failed us. Understanding about what was going on was nowhere to be found. Answers to all of our questions seemed to elude us, and yet the complexity of whatever it was going on seemed just to intensify and get worse. And we have been left oftentimes in our walk with God questioning, does he really know how much I can bear? The psalmist David in Psalms 56 has reached this particular point in his own life. He is crying out in the first few verses for mercy. He wants the Lord to be merciful unto him. Evidently, he has reached that intersection where he believes personally that there's not much more that he can take. There's not much more of a burden or a load that he can harness on his back. He's being bowed over, if you will, with the circumstances of adversaries and enemies and things just not quite going the way that he would wish them to go. This psalm, according to the title of it before the very first verse, if you had that in your Bible, this psalm is written during that period of his life when shepherding sheep could be reflected upon as an easy job that he wants had uh, lions and bears he would have much 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 uh, more so would like to have dealt with with what he is dealing with right now his opponents are not some animal now but they are men people that he thought were his friends and people that he knew to be his foes but nevertheless he was dealing with opponents that were human beings and David according to the timeline of his life at this juncture that this psalm was written he is a fugitive he is running for his life. I even dare to say tonight, as we cross over into 2020, there was some that thought, man, kiss 2019 goodbye. We got a fresh start, a fresh month, a fresh year. 2019, 2020 is going to be different. We're going to get a new lease on life only to wake up on January 1st and see you have some of the same issues, some of the same problems, some of the same dilemmas, some of the same, if you will, burdens that's bearing hard upon your back. And you may feel like that for a time period you have been running also for your life. I dare to say there are some among us that feel like you're just like David. You're a fugitive just trying to run away from the next problem that is tracking you down, doing whatever you got to do in the moment just to keep living, just to keep your head above the water, just whatever I need to do in the moment, amen, to simply exist. Can someone say amen? Perhaps like David, you have felt that your circumstances would, as he said, they almost swallowed me up and they attempted to do it daily. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. Among all the places, for that matter, concerning David, among all the places that a person should feel safe and secure and comfortable is home. And yet home was not even a safe place for David. The Bible describes him, God, he said, God, you know my wandering. I've been a wandering man. I've been in a cave one night and maybe in a den the next night. I've been a wandering man. As a matter of fact, 
I found myself cooped up in the recesses of a cave where there is darkness and I felt somewhat relief being cloaked by the darkness because I found it was too scary sometimes to remain in the light for what the light might reveal that's troublesome in yet another day so if I can stay sequestered in the darkness I get more comfort from that because I never know what trouble another day is going to reveal or going to bring a couple of times in Psalms 56, David is speaking and he's telling himself, he said, I won't be afraid of what flesh can do unto me. I'm not going to be afraid what man can do unto me. And yet the Bible verses that I read to you tonight has a list contained in them of some of the very things that men were attempting to do or had done unto David. What his enemies or adversaries were attempting. You can read the scriptures, but he had bands of men and troops that were pressing in on him daily. Everybody say daily. His adversaries were trying to take his words, sentences and paragraphs that he had spoken and they were trying to manipulate them. They were trying to twist them. They were trying to make David say what he had not said. They were twisting his words, so to speak. They were thinking up. David said, I have adversaries that are just thinking up ways to harm me. They're sitting somewhere. They're plotting. They're trying to just come up with a new way to get at me. I believe in the Holy Ghost tonight that I may be speaking to some people in this place that feel just like David does in this psalm in this moment, thinking that, you know what, it just seems like the adversary is just sitting around thinking of another way to get at me, just another direction to get a jab, just another issue to throw upon my life, just another problem to crop up, just looking at another venue to come at me. He says they've been perfecting their plans. They're, 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 they're honing this thing. They're, they're, per, they're perfecting their plans. They're laying in wait to kill me. They're laying in wait to, to snag my soul. Someone say amen. <laughs> this trouble that the psalmist endures is from the enemies. And it appears as he writes to be daily. All day attacks. <laughs> One day just spent into another day of trouble, woe, heartache, fear, anxiety, emotionally distraught. There is no reprieve. There's no break in the clouds. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's constant. It's repetitive. It's day. daily he's no doubt lost sleep from it and it's evident that he has shed tears as a result of it because he even says Lord my tears you have in a bottle he shed enough tears to be bottled are they not written in your record he has shed some tears over it and note it's not just a adversary but it's many adversaries that is fighting him he says, for they be many that fight against me. Oh, we are living in a generation. And for us particular here at 1121 Cedar Street, we are living in a church setting where people don't have isolated trouble, but rather we are troubled on every side. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, and within were fears. That's our plot. That's our position, it seems, in life, in this nation, in our generation, in this church. Someone say amen. Our adversaries are many. If it's not sickness, it's surgery. If it's not surgery, it's financial straits. If it's not financial straits, it's some type of relational dilemma. Hallelujah. They are many and they are daily. It's as though if physical sickness comes, amen, if there's no release, physical sickness says financial straight, go on. I've had my day, you take your shot. Someone say amen. 
But the psalm was written, the Bible says, as the little title superscript, when David retreated to Gath as a place of refuge from King Saul. And the band of men that had conspirated against David to kill him. Let me tell you something. You know it's bad whenever you're cowering where a defiant foe of yours at one time had lived. You know it's bad when you're seeking refuge at the native city of something you had fought against before. The Bible tells us that David fled to Gath that day for fear of Saul. And yet whenever he got there, it also says that he was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Man, it's like lose-lose. I came here because I was afraid, but whenever I got there, the people that were there, I'm afraid. I'm just fear, just living a life. Huh? Having an existence of just fear. Don't want to answer the phone because what the next news is going to be. Don't want to go to the doctor because of the next report that's going to be given. Don't want to talk to so-and-so because of the other negativity that's about ready to enter my life. Can't view anything with any type of positive or optimism because it's just fear. Living in fear without and living with fear within. You know it's bad. You know it's bad. Whenever David goes, so to speak, to the enemy's camp. To look for shelter. <laughs> you know all of life has turned upside down upon you. Whenever you even begin to consider that as an option. It's no different than whenever Israel said after she had left Egypt that she would go back to Egypt. When Egypt in fact couldn't help her. It just was nothing more but an act of desperation. It was an act of hopelessness. And I believe tonight I'm talking to some hopeless people. I'm talking to some desperate people. I'm talking to people that's up to their eyes with it all. And they don't know where to look, what to do, how to respond, how to react. I got to tell you tonight, for some of these very same reasons of being overwhelmed and feeling like you have been almost swollen up, some for some of these very reasons, I've known people that have abandoned God and debated, amen, if what they were going through was that bad, then they might as well live in the world. Listen to me. People get to that spot. If it's so bad right here, right now, what I'm going through in the church, then I might as well just live like the world. People, for those very reasons, have tucked tail and left and abandoned jump ship as a result of it. They've said in their mind, if there is no difference, then why do I strive to be different if there's not going to be any difference? Oh, I'm trying to preach inside of somebody's head tonight. Oh, God. So David has wet his bed with tears. And he wants to escape it all. As a matter of fact, in the previous chapter, verse 50, chapter 55, he said, if I had the wings of a dove, he said, I would fly away and be at rest. You know what he's saying? I'd get away from it all. There's people sitting here right now tonight. You might not have said it like David said it, but you've had the same feeling. If I could just get away from it all. If I could just have a vacation and maybe go away for a couple of weeks. Maybe it'll take care. But it doesn't take care. And it won't take care of. David said if I could just get away from it, maybe it'd be all right. Honey, but that's not the answer. That's not the answer. That's not where you're going to get your consolation. He's been crying tears. And he's been crying, according to the scripture, with his voice. But the turning point in this psalm and the revelation of the turning point in David's life is shared in verse number 9. David says, note the wording of the scripture. When I cried unto thee, speaking of God, when I cried unto thee, everybody say then, then shall mine enemies Turn back. Now watch this. I'm going to share just other translations of that same phrase. The Christian Standard Bible. Then my enemies will retreat on the day 
when I call. Amplified, then shall my enemies turn back in the day that I cry out. The Jerusalem Bible, then my enemies will have to fall back as soon as I call for help. The living Bible, the very day I call for help, the tide of the battle turns and my enemies flee. Someone say amen. You got to lasso on to this verse right here because it seems as though, listen to me, the enemies begin to retreat. They begin to turn back. Not when God shows up, but when we simply cry out and call on the name of the Lord. You don't have to wait for God to show up in order for your enemy to start turning back. All you got to do is open your mouth and cry out. And when you cry out to God, the enemy turns turns back. Some translations interpret the cry and the call like this, that when we pray, then the enemies turn back. Somebody already's got the voice of negativity and saying, Pastor McGee, if that's so much so and God's word is so true, then why in my prayers am I still then yet dealing with some of the same stuff after I prayed? Can I tell you, a pebble that drips into the water and falls has ripples many minutes past its initial impact. You can suffer the attack of the enemy. And those residual things that spin tail out of the initial attack can continue for days when the smoke of her retreat may already be happening. I don't know. Brother Landon, come here. Brother Landon, trust me. Man, if I would just haul back right now and blast this boy with my fist right in the face. Number one, I'm going to try his temperance out. Number two, that's going to hurt. It would hurt. If I did that and turned around and walked off, it's still going to be hurting. Although I'm retreating. Let me couch it in any a little bit further terms. If I hit him in the face and I keep doing it, you're not hitting yourself, I'm hitting you. Boom, boom. And all of a sudden, landing calls out because he knows he in earshot is dead. Dad! I don't want to tangle with Josh. He's mean. So the moment he calls, I begin to retreat. He still has pain. There's still blood going down his face. There's still a laceration upon him. But the moment he calls out, I may be retreating. He might not have and feel the full effect of the retreat. But if he keeps calling, he will. He will. He So don't get disappointed with what you're dealing with after you prayed and after you called to God. Your adversary may already be in retreat mode because you cried David had been crying tears. He'd been crying about his adversaries and his enemies, his situation. Verse 9 hones in on that he needed to cry out to God. Listen, and I've thought about this, and I, I, I hate to sometimes have to back up and qualify and tell you that I love you and try not to hurt anybody, but I'm telling you again, I'm not. Sometimes I just want to preach and I have to back up and say all that. Just take me at your word. David could talk to any other normal man upon the human race, but that's not where his cry needed to be. That's not where his cry needed to be. He needed to cry and direct his cry unto the Lord again. I'm not trying to minimize our trouble, but I'm trying to maximize our cry. Cry to another earthly man, friend, whoever it may be, it don't matter. You want to maximize your cry? Cry unto the Lord. Because when I cried unto thee, then my enemies turned back.
you show up. I found myself sometimes in trouble, Bishop, that I've even asked. God, where are you? Where are you? Because in our minds, we perceive things that he can have no influence unless he shows up. I'm here to tell you, he doesn't have to show up in order to have influence. Because he has a reputation that precedes him. All you got to do is call out his name. And the enemy's turned back. He doesn't have to show up for it to happen. You just got to call upon the name that has the reputation. Of being deliverer, protector, healer, guider. Jailbreaker. Someone say amen. <laughs> just got to call out his name. The enemy's turned back. The Bible says they, they retreat. Let me tell you this evening. That the enemies have so much confidence in the diligence and expediency of your God that they turn back simply when you call upon him. Throughout the scriptures, there are verses, and I'll just share with you a few, but there are verses upon verses that with certainty validate that when we call to the Lord that he does hear us. The Bible says in Psalm 17 and verse number 6, I have called upon thee, for that will hear me, O God. Incline thy ear unto me and hear my speech. Second Samuel 22 and verse 4. You can also find this in the Psalms. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Psalms 55 and verse 16. As for me, when I call, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Psalms 86 and verse number 7. In the day of my trouble. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee. A little fast course we sing has a bridge or something in it like this. Don't wait till the battle is over. Don't wait till the victory has won. Huh? But you need to have faith in God. Meaning what? Right now. Call in the middle of your battle. You have to wait till the smoke clears. You have to wait till the dust settles. You have to wait till the pain's over. But in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your turmoil, in the middle of your battle, you just go back and say, God, and watch the enemy retreat. Someone say amen. So you need to know tonight that the enemy retreats when we call unto God. And you also need to know tonight that the enemy knows and believes that God will come to the aid of his people. He has enough past history, proof enough of God and his actions. Let me tell you something. The enemy doesn't retreat from silent people. But he retreats from a people that's calling out to God. The enemy considers because he knows God's, he knows God's record. About whenever people cry. He knows God's word. About whenever people cry. For the enemy, a people that's crying out to God is a people worth stepping away from to him. (laughs) And so the enemy turns back the moment we, everybody say, cry out unto the Lord or pray unto the Lord. we got to understand that relief and even victory is on the heels of our prayers. I'm preaching here an inaugural message, if you will, for prayer revival this week, Monday through Friday. It is on the heels of our prayers. When we wait to call on him, listen to me right now. When we wait to call upon the Lord, we have prolonged the fight. When we hesitate to pray or ignore prayer, we have ignorantly given our adversary an open invitation to stay longer. <laughs> But whenever we pray, we say the buck stops here. When we utter a prayer, we say no more, it's been enough. 
That's the reason why I'm crying for 2020 and every other day of this year. We must be proactive and use prayer as our first resort rather than our last resort. For that matter, if we'll make prayer a daily part of our lives, perhaps the enemy would be in retreat mode more often than pursuit mode. Scripture tells us, Psalms 145 and verse 18. Scripture tells us, the Lord, everybody say, is nigh unto all them that call upon him. Unto all that call upon him in truth. Now that, that is, that's the word. That is a truth. The Lord is nigh to all them that call upon him. Now listen to me. Listen to Pastor Knight. He doesn't have to feel near in order to be near. We live by our feelings a whole lot more than what we would even care to admit. And the times in our lives we say, well, it doesn't feel like the Lord is near. Doesn't mean he's not near. I've been around people in dark rooms that were a whole lot closer than what I thought they were when I reached out and just touched them. I couldn't realize they were there, but they were there. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. But when we call upon him, we have the promise, the guarantee of Scripture that the Lord is nigh to them that call up on him. So you may not feel like he's near, but if you call upon him based upon the truth of God's word, you know he is near in spite of how you feel because it's a truth of his word. (laughs) Here's the question. Again, I pose this with all you understand question for those that just don't believe that God has been near to them. The question is this. And I said, when was the last time you called on him? Maximize your cry. James said, draw nigh to God. And sometimes our means of drawing nigh to God is through our prayer because it gets him to draw nigh unto. James said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto you. Now here, I'm just telling you from my own life. I'm not speaking for anybody else talking about Paul McGee, all right? Nobody got to get offended, hurt, or upset. Talking about me. But I'll include you in it, and I'll say we. We fail to cry out oftentimes because we don't believe anything is happening about what's going on. I still got the mess. Everything's still broken around me. Huh? Again, you're always going to have the fallout from the battle that had taken place. That's the reason why so much resource and money is spent after war happens. It's not just what is taken during the war, but it's taken concerning the aftermath when the war is already done. The rebuilding, the restructuring. The, uh, how many years did it take for them to get ground zero back to where it's at today? It happened in a moment. But it took years that they were still dealing with the rubble and the mess and the debris and the normalcy of life seemed to be lost for years. Someone say amen. (laughs) When we cry, the retreat happens. The attack has subsided. Can I tell you, please understand me. Sometimes much of what we call The attack is just the results or the effect of the attack. Again, I'm not trying to minimize anybody's trouble. but I'm trying for us to maximize our cry. More than ever before, we need to be crying on the name of the Lord. We need to reiterate, if you will, that practice of coming this week, Monday through Friday. Amen. If it's fallen by the way, pick it back up. Crying out to the Lord. Because listen, God doesn't need just to be a number. Among many other contacts that you got. We're going to be putting down our cell phones this week. If I'd ask you all open your phones right now and look in your contact list, you could tell me how many contacts you got in your list. Right? God doesn't just need to be another contact among others on your list. You also probably have a favorites or something too in there. 
He needs to be on your favorite list. You know, people that are your ice or your emergency contact are not just usually on your normal list. They're somewhere along your favorites. If you want to keep the enemy in retreat mode, then you got to be in constant pursuit of calling upon the name of the Lord. So it's evident then tonight, by the enemy retreating when we pray, listen to me, it's evident by him retreating when we call upon God. This is important, that your adversary has more faith in the responsiveness of your God oftentimes than we do ourselves. Because he retreats at the simple calling on the Lord. (laughs) Because he knows not far removed from God's people is God's army. Does the scripture itself not tell us enough that our enemy not only knows the word, but he believes the word of God? Huh? We need to use, listen to me, we need to use the enemy's own faith in God. As a tool to trouble him for our advantage. Because he believes when we call the Lord's coming. Sometimes even when we call we're in disbelief whether he's going to come or not. But the enemy believes. And so we need to use the enemy's own faith in our God. Against him. I mean let's just get real tonight. Have you ever used someone's own fear and weakness for your benefit? You know they were afraid of snakes and so you know you just comfortably placed one in their car. It was even a play. Used their weakness or their fear against themselves. Can I tell you tonight that we got to use the enemy's faith in God against him. Amen. By calling upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Jesus did in the garden. We spoke about this last week on the Sunday morning. Every time the enemy came against him, he said, for it is written. For it is written. He knew that the enemy believed in the word of the Lord. He knew that the enemy was convinced concerning the word of the Lord. Amen. And if the enemy, amen, if if you believe in God's word, here's something you need to come to terms with. The enemy believes in it even more. If you believe God can heal you, the enemy believes that God can heal you more than you believe. If you believe you can have the victory, the enemy believes it more. So you got to use that in your favor. Because if he believes that God can give me victory, then I'm going to cry out to God and make the enemy nervous. Because he has great faith that God will come through on his word. believes the Lord at his word and that is the reason one reason why that I believe Satan tries to lie deceive us so much it's because he's more convinced than most of us are that God can and will do what he said he would do when we pray (laughs) he's trying to lie and deceive you because he believes (laughs) ha ha So I encourage you, go ahead and pray in the middle of your doubts. Go ahead and pray in the middle of your fears and call unto the Lord because you have an adversary that believes even when you're in doubt. No, you got to understand what I'm telling you tonight. There is no day in the calendar year that the enemy is in doubt that the Lord will come through. There is not a doubt in his mind that the Lord will not come through. It's us that doubt. So even in the middle of your doubt and your second guessing, you need to cry out to God because the enemy believes God will come through. Although you're doubting and wavering and wondering, if they cry out, he's going to come on the scene. That's what the enemy... you got to maximize your cry. Someone say Amen. Because it changes the dynamics of the game. It does. The prey, the P-R-E-A, the prey now becomes the predator and the predator becomes the prey when you call upon the Lord. And so the enemy uses lies. He uses disbelief. He uses deception. All those tools in his favor. Because he wants to get you not to believe what he believes. Because he thinks if I can get them not to believe... Maybe they won't cry. Maybe they won't call unto the Lord. Maybe because what does the Bible says? He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith it is impossible to please God. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is a rewarder. 
that he can, he, can, he can reward him that believes and seeks his face. But if they don't believe, maybe they won't act. But he's convinced God will do something if we do. And if we call, he's going to tuck tail and run because he's got faith in God. So here we are. If the enemy can use lie, deception, and disbelief in his favor, you know what we need to do as the children of God? Use truth in our favor. Every time he lies and deceives and brings, tries to bring disbelief, you know what we need to do as a child of God, Brother Zach? Underscore and capitalize on what our enemy is already sure of. God will come through. We just got to reiterate the obvious to the adversary. God will come through. God will come to our aid. God hears us when we pray. God will deliver us out of all of our troubles. God, God, God will make right on what he said is promised to us. Someone say amen. I got to hurry. I really do. Someone say glory. So you got to know that when you call the enemy retreats, you got to know that your adversary has more faith in your God than oftentimes we do. And let me say this as a result of all that. Let me encourage you with this tonight. That means then we should rejoice and be expectant when we cry out, when we pray. Notice what David said in the second portion of verse 9. Look at the whole thing. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. He says, this I know. For, here's the reason. God is for me. They turn back when I cry unto God. This I know, David says. This is something that David has learned to know or has known by experience. He says, this I know. Among the, Listen, David had a lot of uncertainties in his life right here. He had a lot of unknown variables, if you will, that he had to deal with. But there was one thing that David knew. That God, when I call upon him, the enemy will retreat because God is for me. Nothing comes to my mind but the New Testament writer, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 8 and verse number 31. What does the scripture say? If God be for us, then who can be? David says, one thing I know, God is for me. Paul said, one thing I know, if God's for me, who can be against me? David says, this is a hands-down winning matter. There's nothing that can be against me when God is for me. Can I tell the first apostolic church and everybody that's been bearing a heavy load upon your back tonight that God is for you. Life will not always appear as though he is for you, but I'm telling you tonight the truth that God is for you. Someone say amen. Things happen around us that's hard to interpret. They slant in that direction. That doesn't make sense. That seems as though God is not for us. Amen. But we got to resort to what we know. Not what appears or what we seem to know. We got to resort back to what we know. God is for me. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. And with that knowledge... That needs to affect then how we carry ourselves. You need to act, walk, talk, pray, worship, live your life as though, as promised, that God is for you. It's bad and mayhem and mess around you. You've got to hold on to the confidence. That God is for you and you've already uttered your word to him. You've cried out. And though you can't see it with your eyes seemingly, you've got to understand and have faith that the enemy is in retreat mode. Someone say amen. We need to act as though God said it was. I'm for you. There needs to be a confidence that would arise on the surface in our lives as we begin this, this new year. Amen. That you, you got to understand, you are not facing it alone, though it seems like you are facing it is alone. There needs to be an assertiveness in your speech and in your walk. Amen. Hallelujah. Because God is for you. He is in your corner. If I can put it in as layman terms as I can, he's rooting for you. 
You know, always pick out the parents in the stadium and on the bleachers when the boy or daughter do good. Yeah, number 23. They're clapping. They're standing. what they're doing. They are rooting them on. And there's a lot more crowd there than there are mom and dad. And sometimes their voices get drowned out in the other people. And you might not be able to hear them. But you know when you go to bed at night, they've watched over you. they preserved you. they fed you. They've cared for you. You know when they're there, they're for you whether you hear their voice or not. Oh, someone say amen. Stand with me. Y'all wearing me up. Someone say, God is for me. So I'm telling you this evening. You need to maximize your cry. You need to maximize your cry in your home. You need to maximize your cry, maximize your cry in your church. Maximize it how? Again. By directing your cry where it needs to be directed. Cry unto the Lord. Can I tell you that even the feeblest of plea unto the Lord will turn back an enemy. (laughs) Because the turning back is not based upon your strength. It's based upon the strength of the one that you've cried out to. So even a feeble plea gets the same reaction as a boisterous plea unto the Lord because the object of our plea, whether weak or strong, is the same. It's to the Lord, and that's who the enemy has faith in. Your God that is for you. We bow our heads in this place tonight. <laughs> So we got to cry out. We got to cry out. Imagine with me for a moment, church family, as your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed. Imagine with me for a moment a church crying out to God collectively in prayer. Imagine with me a moment with the results of a church that is crying out collectively to God in prayer. We want him to show up, and he just wants us to cry out. All Satan needs to know, can I tell you tonight, that all that Satan needs to know is that we know and believe what he already knows and believes. I can hear it now. As we begin to end this service and people raise their voices crying out to God, I can hear it already. Amen. I can hear it already in the camp of the adversary. I can hear it already among the tents, if you will, of wickedness. As you begin to cry out to the Lord right now tonight, amen, I'm hearing the voice of the adversary say to the imps and the devils and everything that has been attacking, retreat, retreat. Retreat, boys, we got to pack up and we got to go. There still might be dust and there still might be anguish and there still might be wounds. But in the moment David said, I cried unto the Lord, then the enemy turned back. This altar is open tonight. If somebody wants to take their burden to the Lord and leave it there. If someone wants to take their burden, their anguish, their moments that they have felt like they was going to be swallowed up by him. If somebody would cry out, maximize your cry tonight. Maximize your cry. And I do pity us tonight. I know sometimes we just need to talk to somebody else to get some things off our chest and off our shoulder. But I'm telling you, if you want to maximize your cry, cry to the Lord. There still may be some lacerations and pain and discomfort to deal with. The attack may be already over, but there's going to be mending and there's going to be, if you will, realigning and there's going to be healing that needs to take place. But just because you still feel the pain doesn't mean that the moment you cried that the enemy didn't start to retreat. you got to have faith in God's Word. Faith in God's Word. Your enemy has faith in His Word. He don't want you to believe his word. He wants to deceive you, lie to you, cause doubt and disbelief to overwhelm you just to make your situation even seem more insurmountable than it already is. 
Because if you don't believe, you might not act. If you don't believe, you might not continuously call. If you don't believe, then that might not take place. But in honesty, the enemy is just a nervous wreck. Thinking, if they do, if they open their lips. If they, if they believe, if they have faith in their God like I do, if they open their lips, we're going to have to retreat because God will keep His word. God will keep His promise. Could somebody maximize their cry here? Can somebody maximize their cry here? Brother McGee, all I got is a feeble whisper tonight. That's all right. Let that whisper escape your lips right now because when you cry to him, then the enemy will turn back. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.